This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the top stories from the past week and get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the truncated special session from the Illinois legislature and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. Phase 3 of Governor J.B. Pritzker's plan kicks in for the entire state today, allowing outdoor seating at bars and restaurants been closed for dine-in service since March 16th amid COVID-19 concerns. But things not opening yet in Chicago. State Representative LaShawn Ford said Chicago is being left behind as the mayor there continues to lock down. He said businesses have suffered like no other time in history. People are looking for goods and services, and they will cross the borders. And In this case, you don't have to leave the state. Now you could just go across the street to a different town and make new relationships. And that's going to be a problem for Chicago residents and business owners in Chicago. Chicago plans to reopen June 3rd to phase three. Meanwhile, State Senator Steve McClure said because the legislature failed to check the governor's ability to reshape the economy unilaterally, it's now up to the courts. McClure said, there's a flare-up in the fall and the governor reverts back to more restrictions. He doesn't expect businesses to go along. He said the governor got voluntary compliance at first, but kept moving the goalposts. Uh, the governor's objectives changed to now something else where we have to have a total cure. Uh, that, I think, really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And so I think he's going to have a real hard time trying to push that across at least the, the nine counties that I represent. Ford said the governor can't go it alone. He cannot unilaterally um, govern. If he does that, it's going to hurt the entire state because he doesn't know all parts of Illinois. As much as he would like to um, know all parts of Illinois, it's very difficult. That's why we have a, a legislature. Things not included in Phase 3? Movie theaters. That'll be limited in Phase 4 in a month. Phase five is when concerts and conventions can come back, but that's only if there's a vaccine or widely available COVID-19 therapy, according to the governor's plan. Facing several lawsuits, the governor's office walked back restrictions on religious gatherings. The Illinois Attorney General is due to respond to a lawsuit before the U.S. Supreme Court Thursday nights when the Illinois Department of Public Health released guidelines for places of worship to keep healthy in lieu of restrictions included in the governor's executive orders. The governor was asked about the legal challenges Thursday afternoon. Multiple federal judges have reviewed and upheld uh, the approach that we've taken with our executive orders with regard to houses of worship. Um, So, you know, these courts have recognized that there's a public health crisis that's ongoing. 
He said the attorney general's office responding to the case. In a release, the Thomas More Society called the reversal a victory for religious freedom. Attorney Peter Breen, also a Republican candidate for his former House seat, said that the governor was using the pandemic to, quote, stop on the religious liberty of people of Illinois. Meanwhile, the governor putting more weight behind advice he's getting from medical statisticians than he is in the civil process to check his authority. That may stay as challenging the people's rights. The U.S. Department of Justice last week sided with State Representative Darren Bailey in his case against the governor's stay-at-home orders that are more than two months old. Pritzker successfully moved the case to federal courts. The DOJ said Bailey's case should be heard in Illinois courts. And there's a strong case the governor exceeded his authority. Asked Sunday why not have the courts expedite the question instead of delaying it by moving it to federal court if public health's paramount. The judiciary aren't experts at public health. Taking these things to court doesn't resolve the public health matter. Bailey attorney Thomas DeVore said the governor exceeded his authority. I believe in the law and I, and I know of no authority that allows the executive branch to wield any power that he's been wielding for the last two months. Bailey's argued local public health officials are the ones to resolve public health matters, not edicts from the governor. On to that state legislative session. They were scheduled for three days, but ran into overtime, ending in the wee hours of Sunday. And things were top of mind just a handful of months ago and were left on the cutting room floor. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin said there was no mention of reforming the state's second highest in the nation property taxes or addressing the cloud of corruption amid widespread federal investigation into state government, things that were top of mind just three months ago. What happened, ladies and gentlemen of the General Assembly? We never came close to any of these. Not one word has been spoken about those issues in these days down here. One measure that passed does create a Democrat-controlled oversight group to review the reopening plan the governor has. That does not deal with whether the governor has the authority to extend his stay-at-home orders beyond 30 days. Republican State Senator Jason Berkman said the legislature has to be a check on the governor. My constituents and my communities are crying out for us to do something while the governor continues to act in a unilateral manner. Despite a crater worth of billions of lost revenue because of the government-imposed shutdown on sectors of the economy and a reliance on borrowing billions of dollars, Illinois state lawmakers passed a general fund budget onto the governor that spends $40 billion in state funds. Republican State Representative D.M. Mazaki said aside from the budget not being balanced because of borrowing, it gives the governor too much borrowing authority. Anytime the governor decides that the hardworking people of Illinois haven't worked hard enough and he wants more money to spend. Sorry, that's toxic. The budget passed along party lines with some Democrats voting against it. Critics say billions of it is funded through hopes federal aid is going to come through. Governor J.B. Pritzker reacting. My hope again is that the federal government will help all of the states and, and municipalities so uh, we'll be able to pay that back. Well, there's no doubt we're going to have to revisit uh, the budget if the federal government doesn't come through. I think all 50 states are going to have to be revisiting their budgets if the federal government doesn't come through. It's unclear if or when the federal government will pass another COVID relief measure. State lawmakers are off until after the November election. Illinois' looming expansion of vote by mail for the coming general election, likely to catch the ire of President Donald Trump, who says there's potential for tremendous fraud in such programs. State lawmakers passed expanded mail-in voting during their pandemic special session. The governor likes the idea of sending every voter a vote-by-mail application that they'd have to return to get a mail-in ballot. And gets us what we want, which is people don't need to go to a physical balloting location. And you see, by the way, that there are other aspects of that legislation that do 
provide easier access to the ballot box. President Donald Trump last week said mail-in voting should only be available for specific reasons. He's critical of expanding the option to everyone by default. One person signs him with different pens and a different signature every time. It's it's uh, obviously there's going to be fraud. We're not babies. This tremendous fraud. Trump said without providing details, he's looking at withholding federal funds from states that expand mail-in voting. Pritzker said the president is trying to suppress the vote. Illinois could soon allow seniors who are not U.S. citizens access to Medicaid. Tucked in a budget implementation bill, lawmakers passed last week was a provision opening up Medicaid for seniors 65 and older for those who are undocumented. State Representative Delia Ramirez said the benefit that wasn't debated publicly is estimated to affect fewer than 900 people with an estimated taxpayer cost of $1.8 million. It's a small, small population, but investing and expanding health care coverage for them would have such an extensive um, return of investment for all of us. She's not worried about conflict with federal immigration laws. We have been in conversation with the governor uh, while he was campaigning and just the importance of, of the state itself being able to cover the access and using the resources that we have at the state level to do so. DaveSurance.com insurance broker Dave Castillo said the benefit being available will likely attract higher taxpayer costs down the road. People who have been in a resident of Illinois for a while, I can see, you know, maybe they can make some provision for that. Uh, but in its current form, it's so open. Um, I fear that we could be a, a mecca for uh, the the over 65 that are undocumented. The, the $2 million number seems, you know, <laughs> seems like it's, oh boy, this sounds wonderful. Uh, I have my doubts. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Illinois and Folks' Crosstalk segment. This is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my colleague and friend, Dan McCaleb. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. My day, my weekly golf update, I got eight holes in before the, the skies opened last weekend, hoping to get a Just keep working there. on your short game in the backyard, man. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. We're taping this on Thursday, the 28th of May. I've lost count of what day in March it would be because of this sort of never-ending uh, lockdown that we're on, uh, somewhere near the 90th of May, but or excuse me, the 90th of March. But at, at any rate, plenty to talk about. Um, last weekend, uh, or this past weekend, the Illinois legislature got together in the most unconventional way um, that any of us in our lifetime has seen, where they split up into different buildings in Springfield. Uh, what they get done, Dan? What they do? What happened? Well, in <laughs> amazingly, in, in in four session days, out of about what ninety that they usually have in four session days, they were uh, able to pass a budget that, of course, is not balanced. Uh, more than most expensive budget in Illinois history, more than forty billion dollars in the middle of a pandemic, that includes uh, no cuts, no furloughs, no layoffs includes pay raises uh, for union workers, um, and it's out of balance by more than $6 billion. So about status quo for Illinois legislature. It's pretty good, man. All right, so um, I just got hit up the other day for a fiber 
uh, from one of my kids. And uh, I just tried to talk to them about the value of money and, and where that $5 came from. And um, Five? Man, my kids come to me asking for 20s. I still have little kids. You know what I mean? So, uh, And I'm not sure where they're going to spend it because, to be honest with you, they're really not allowed to go anywhere. So, I, I mean, it was just a <laughs> So we didn't even get into the, what do you need this for? It was, it was a conversation of the value of money. Uh, the, the Illinois legislature, the people of Illinois effectively, you know, by virtue of those who they've elected and who represent them, uh, are going to dad, AKA the federal government and ask him for a fiber, but it's a fiber billion, not an Abraham Lincoln, but a whole lot of Benjamins. Yeah, you're covering Illinois, the Illinois legislature for as many years as we've covered it. We, we, we thought we've seen every parlor trick in the book for them to say, oh, the budget's, the, the budget's balanced. Um, they took it to a whole nother level this year. Yeah. Uh, they're relying on a, a federal bailout that nobody knows if that's coming. Uh, I... I I don't know. I, I'm not even sure how you can expect that. I don't know how you can plan for it. Pennsylvania has kind of done the same thing. And certainly some of the other states, New York is, you know, is, is gone about the, the business of uh, building a, a hole that it expects the federal government to fill as well. I'm sure that it, there are other states. At least in Pennsylvania and New York and, and, and other uh, in blue states like Michigan and California, they included realistic or, or at least some expense cuts. They yeah. furloughed workers. They've yep. uh, they're uh, looking at uh, pay cuts for employees. Not here in Illinois. Yep. I mean, same deal in Colorado too, where they where they have a a, a, a Democrat uh, Jared Polis who, who's in the the state capitol. So it is absolutely a different way of operating. What do you expect to happen next out of this? I mean, you know, so you four days of session, you get this budget done. Actually, let me pause for a second and ask you this. Is there anything else that came out of this weekend that, you know, that that would be noteworthy carrying forward? A couple of things that are noteworthy and a couple of things that did not happen that are certainly um, noteworthy. Um, one, uh, with with uh, no floor discussion, no debate, lawmakers passed a bill that's going to allow um, non-citizens uh, uh, be able be eligible for uh, Medicaid. Okay. Um, they expanded um, vote by mail, mm -hmm. uh, making that available to, to pretty much all Illinoisans. Okay. Um, what they didn't do, um, they did not, uh, the legislature does not vote on the governor's uh, executive orders, his stay at home orders, um, restricting um, Illinois residents' uh, ability to do what they want freely. They decided to, to leave all that authority with, with Governor Pritzker. Mm -hmm. uh, they, did, they did nothing about um, ethics reform or the uh, massive federal corruption investigation that's going on in Illinois um, that's led to many lawmakers and lobbyists and others raids on their homes and it's led to indictments. Didn't touch didn't touch ethics reform. And of course, as we say every year, it didn't touch pension reform. You know, Illinois' pensions are underfunded by almost 140 billion um dollars um uh but that's that's not and, and the state budget almost one one of one dollar out of every four 25 percent of the state budget goes to pay down pensions but they didn't address that issue either mm. okay well rome was not built in a day dan 
It's been it's been thirty years at least. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I lost I lost count. I lost count. I I thought that maybe that you know over a uh, over a four day weekend, uh, that they would be able to get everything you know first of all prioritized uh, and then addressed, and that that Illinois would be uh, fixed by the time that we got like maybe to you know uh, s'mores on Monday night. No. <laughs> The budget is balanced. That's all you need to know, Chris. I've heard that. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that on the financials, as uh, I, someone once I wisely told me. You see it me. on your, your tax bills. I can't wait. That's that's super, super exciting. Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere, uh, away from Springfield, uh, Illinoisans were uh, leaving in droves to go to places where executive orders were not limiting their activities. Uh, I'm pretty much sure that everyone uh, saw uh, some of the images from Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, yeah. There were there was a, a really interesting back and forth between um, a, a national cable news outlet. I think it was I think it was MSNBC or maybe it was CNBC from Lake Geneva, where the re- reporters talking about people walking around with no masks on, and some guy not wearing a mask walks up to the camera and goes. Hey, your cameraman's not wearing a mask, you know? So um, I think that pretty much anywhere that Illinoisans could go to get away from the extent of our lockdown, they did. Yes. uh, uh, Over Memorial Day weekend, we had reports from Missouri, Wisconsin, Indiana, um, that uh, restaurants and and, and other entertainment uh, venues um, uh, their parking lots will were filled with cars with Illinois license plates. Illinois has uh, the most restrictive uh, COVID nineteen uh, re- restrictions essentially on uh, on its residents and its its businesses. And um, Illinois residents are fed up, and they're they're going to other states to spend their money. Anything new in the data that's of interest? I mean, I, I think one of the one of the you know the immediate backlash. Uh, in particular in cable news that you saw, you know, and I would say, you know, more so uh, the traditionally left-leaning cable news, you know, CNN, MSNBC, um, and uh, and the networks as well. I mean, uh, that this is a precursor to something, uh, something terrible that's, that's, that that's coming, coming from it. How long do you think we'd have to wait to get a sense for whether or not um, this might've, created some sort of a an actual effect I, I don't think too long most states are reporting um numbers uh new numbers uh every day of course there is there is up to a 14 day lag time for when um uh, uh folks can uh when a disease is transmitted that folks will uh, the symptoms can start to show up so I, within a couple of weeks but we're st- we're seeing in states that have already opened up that the numbers are still level or dropping mm-hmm. um so I mean, I, I'm not a epidemiologist. I'm not a, a you know a doctor or anything like that. So I don't know, but I, I don't expect huge new waves. Yeah. Well, we'll 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 be monitoring that closely because I think if nothing else, if you found that that behavior to be aberrant or you were cheering that on, I think that you would get a clear sense for what what's what within the next couple of weeks within the state of Illinois, um, and I would presume that the border towns, you know, would, would be where you would start to see some numbers and some colorations on the gradiated uh, IDPH map 
if uh, if in fact that this was uh, something that um, you know that led to mass uh, transmission, which was which was the fear and and the, and, and ultimately the scolding that these people got from. Uh, from cable television and, and, and honestly i would expect um you know folks crossing the border to continue in, in droves even though illinois does move to a new stage in, in governor Pritzker's plan on friday which will allow some for example restaurants to have outdoor dining as long as um you know social distancing and and, and other uh, cdc guidelines are followed um but even with that, I would expect people to continue to go to Wisconsin and Iowa and Missouri and Indiana um, to take and to, just to participate in, in, in less restrictive environments. Yeah. One of the odder stories that's sort of been in the backdrop of COVID-19 is the Illinois housing market is kind of on fire. I mean, um, you know, a couple factors there. One, you know, interest rates are ridiculously low i mean like as low as as we've seen in in quite some time i mean like approaching historic lows and um pricing on in particular on mid you know like sort of the mid-market houses and and i mean illinois is a diverse state right i mean you know you go upstate and real estate's very can be very expensive you go you know into the mid-state and you know it's the market's priced by, you know, by really by population centers. And then, you know, there are some rural places in Illinois where, where homes are, are affordable. Um, I'm focused primarily kind of on like the, the upper, you know, the Northeast corner. Um, lots of for sale signs in my neighborhood, but I just talked to my local realtor this week, who's one of our neighbors and four of the five properties that are listed have contracts and will close in the next 30 days. Um, so purely anecdotal. I mean, but uh, it looks like the combination of people getting out uh, and prices being reasonable is driving some part of this movement in the market. Yeah. So shortly after the restrictions were put in place uh, for the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a there was a more than a slight drop in April. There was a. a like a 14.4% uh, drop in, in, in home sales. But in May, it's just, as you just said, it's it's turned around completely and it's it's exploding. Inventories are shrinking because it's a seller's market. Um, um, people, largely driven by millennials, according to the realtors we talked to, are, are taking advantage of the low interest rates and going out and buying homes. I'll tell you what, though, when you take a look at if you dig dig into like uh, Zillow or Redfin or Realtor.com or any of the apps uh, or any of the sites, you know, that track housing prices, when you kind of peel back the, you know, the 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 layers of, of what's really happening there, there are some smoking deals going on because people are just they're just they're 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 out. We saw a property that's not too terribly far away from uh, from where we live over in Barrington Hills that was on the market. Uh, for $2.8 million that had sold in like, I want to say it was in 2010 for $2.6 million that was being sold and marketed for $875,000. So, I mean, it's just a, yes, the, you know, the, it's interesting that houses are moving, but I think it's what's up underneath um, that's making the move. And it's just some, there are just some absolutely smoking deals on the market because people are cutting their losses and getting out. So are you, lo- you looking to take advantage? course always 
Always. Uh, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, to be honest with you, and this is one of the drivers, like, you know, I mean, really, you know, the opportunity to get up and, and get out, uh, you know, to move to a different community or to, or to, to move to a different state. I mean, these are things that we should be, you know, I think that agile minded people should be thinking about because you're not, you're not locked in here in Illinois. You're not locked in, in any of the 50 States. It's the beauty of the country that we live in. You can pick up and you can move and you can move, you know, for us, I can move 18 miles away and be in a different state. You know, as you and I have talked about, no 100% commitment here, but my daughter's entering her senior year of high school and my wife, my wife and I have talked about once she gets out of school and goes off to college, um, we're going to seriously consider getting out of Illinois because of its situation. Well, I want to talk about that because I mean, you're maybe, maybe your daughter's senior year of high school is virtual anyway. Uh, the back to school data or the back to school surveys that have been coming out recently are, are kind of startling. Um, because teachers around the country, um, at surprisingly high numbers are saying that they're not, they don't want to go back to teach. They don't want to go back into the school to teach now globally. I mean, I mean, this isn't just a United States phenomenon. It's not an Illinois phenomenon, but globally, when you take a look at, at, uh, the prevalence of children, under the age of 17. So just to be specific, people under the age of 17 who have um, have have COVID or have tested positive for COVID, uh, it's a number that's that's almost unmeasurable. It's a teeny tiny number. Um, it was reported very early on here in Illinois, and I think that this set a tone for a lot of people that there was an a, an infant who died with COVID-19 within the first week or so of, uh, of the reporting of this data. And I think it stuck with people. Now that child is no longer part of the statistics that that COVID death was removed from the statistics. Uh, there was a story a couple of weeks ago about this poor young man um, uh, in Chicago uh, who was, I think he was 12 years old uh, who, who died. That, that kid had a, a really rough life. He had four significant comorbidities. Um, so he was not, you know, you know, living, uh, it wasn't just a healthy kid who went, you know, one day from shooting hoops on his driveway to, to not being uh, alive. I mean, this is somebody that had, you know, some, some serious, serious health issues that he had been treated for his entire life. Uh, I'm starting to wonder though, whether or not the emotion of COVID-19 is going to be greater than the facts associated with COVID-19, in particular as it pertains to school in the fall. We already don't have like a summer season. You know, I think at this point in time, you know, the uh, Governor Pritzker has said, well, you know, I haven't said anything about, you know, there not being any summer camps yet, you know, or however he, he, he spoke about it. He's been, he's been non-committal. Yes, no, maybe so. But, but you can't put a summer camp together just out of nowhere. I mean, and it's already, it's by the time that the people who are listening to this on the Illinois Radio Network and on the Illinois in Focus podcast, by the time they hear it, it's likely going to be June. 
if, let me re let me reference um, what, what you first started talking about about transmission among children. As we get further into this pandemic, there's just there's more there's more data. Obviously, early on there was less data. I mean, if you take China for example, now there there's six months uh, worth of data out of uh, China. Um, we're, we're studies and analysis of this data in China, in Japan, in Australia, in the Netherlands, in Iceland, and elsewhere uh, indicates that uh, children. Uh, children passing it to other children is significantly, large numbers significantly lower than it is in adults passing to it, passing it on to adults. Of course, we don't know yet here in Illinois uh, what the plan is for returning to school in the fall, even if children will return to school in the fall. And parents need some clarity on that. As, you, as you've talked about on this program in weeks past, um, parents who are juggling a full-time job and having to help their younger children uh, virtually learn at home, it's it's significantly difficult and stressful, and it it, it it can't continue forever. So we do need some clarity, and we, we tried to ask the governor Wednesday uh, what his plan was for reopening uh, schools in the fall. Um, the question did not get asked um, because, of course, there's a pool, there's a single pool reporter that we have to go through. The question did not get asked. We're going to try and ask again today because parents at some point soon are going to need some clarity about what they're going to have to do in the fall. Yeah, and, and I mean, you and I talked earlier this week, and uh, forgive me, I'm forgetting the kid's name, but the uh, the really good quarterback from the western suburbs of Chicago, um, uh, private school kid, uh, he's foregoing his senior year in Illinois to go to um, the IMG, basically it's a player development or an athlete development academy uh, in Florida. Um, I think that you're going to see a handful of other of other people that uh, that that do the same thing. I feel for you know, look this the last three months have been awful for many different reasons. I feel horrible for the kids that are graduating that should be gra walking across the stage and getting their degrees, whether from a university or a high school. Heck, if, even if you're graduating for eighth grade and in some communities, you know, it's just such a, the families are so tight or it just means so much to them that they're celebrating kindergarten graduations. Celebrations are great. I mean, we need them. It's part of life. But if you went to school in Chicago public schools last year, you lost your fall season ability to compete in the IHSA playoffs because of a school strike that was idiotic, an absolutely idiotic strike, okay? Then you lost the, the winter season, the championship part of it, because COVID-19 shut it down. And, and, you didn't, and if you played on a, in a spring sport, you didn't even get to play because there wasn't a spring season. It was a complete washout for those kids. So the idea that we're sitting here in June, and this is not all about athletics, and I don't want it to be about athletics, but I think athletics are an important part of uh, of what's maybe missing in this country. Kids don't go outside enough. We have a hard enough time getting kids off of screens and outside doing stuff, and then this just shuts them in, and then we're teaching kids on screens. Yeah, enough of that. There needs to be some kind of a conversation that's occurring right now between the people who are paying for public school and the people who are managing public schools and the governor and the legislature, because I do not have the ability to make decisions as a taxpayer on August 15th. If they say, Oh, Hey, you know what? We're not going to have school in, in, in person here in Illinois. 
Well, maybe our tax, our property taxes will go down. Oh, yeah, sure. You betcha. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, so the governor needs to address this sooner rather than later. Um, there needs to be a drop-dead date when there's a decision made. Um, and, and, you know, for parents and taxpayers' sake, kids need to go back to school in the fall. Let's just, I mean, I'll just be blunt. Yeah. Kids need to go back. You know, barring something unforeseen, barring some, you know, huge new wave um, or new evidence or new data that disproves the data that we already have about uh, children transmitting it, um, kids need to be back in school in the fall. Let's talk about the data a little bit. I mean, you know, this is not just an Illinois uh, piece of uh, piece of data. Of course, this is this is national. Although, you know, we we have reported at the Center Square. Um, as recently as this past week, that one out of every four Illinoisans uh, who was working is is unemployed. Uh, there remains problems with IDES, with people being able to navigate the system and getting paid. But if you periscope out and you look at the United States as a whole, uh, I believe it was USA Today that had this, they might have had this first. If it wasn't USA Today, I, it was um, the Washington Post. But um, 40, on the verge of 41 million Americans are unemployed right now. 41 million Americans are unemployed right now. Yeah, it's about uh, one in four uh, working age um, adults uh, are unemployed. Uh, Essentially, a real-time unemployment rate of about um, 25% because of these government restrictions uh, put in place to slow the spread of uh, COVID-19. Um, in Illinois, the number is about 1.2 million, another 58,000, a little bit more than 58,000 um, Illinois workers filed uh, unemployment claims for the week ending uh, May 23rd. Um, people need to get back to work too, just like kids need to go back to school, people need to get back to work. Yeah. It's really, really difficult to process all the information. I feel I feel for readers out there and, and casual news consumers because, I mean, gosh, you must feel like a ping pong ball in a ping pong match because for every one piece of information that you get that suggests X is X, you get one from elsewhere that says X is Y. Um, I have not had a tremendous amount of faith in the World Health Organization uh, based on the way that it dealt with information at the outset of this as it pertained to data from China. Um, so I have difficulty going all in on, on, the, on, this, on this piece of information, but um, the WHO is now saying that uh, the idea of there being a second major wave of coronavirus globally now, this is global, is being increasingly ruled out. Well, that's encouraging, I guess. But as you said, um, who knows with the WHO, who, you know, was taking China's word early on during the pandemic uh, for its statistics. And I think there's plenty of evidence to show that, um, you know, China was fudging its numbers uh, early on. But that would be encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, I mean, as far as it goes, I mean, you know, just some some other interesting data points like, you know, there was a study that came out in the U.K., that really sort of tried to put, um, you know, put into perspective what COVID positive numbers mean in their world. And I thought this was a really, a really interesting visual chart. If you can, if you can find it, 
Um, it was uh, it was published by the BBC uh, this past week. But the 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 data suggests that in in the United Kingdom, um, which is you know obviously it's a much smaller country than the United States, it's I believe it's about one one third our size in total in terms uh, of population. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, and the density is a little bit different. Although you know, there's you know London occupies a lot of the the oxygen in the in the UK, but one out of every four hundred people were estimated to have coronavirus at one time at any one time. So at any given time, one out of 400 in the UK was COVID positive. And the visualization, I think, is fantastic because it's like rows and rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of dots. And then one dot is a different color. So, I mean, for the people that are out there that are that are that are fearful that this is like lurking around the corners, um, you know, it's just a matter of time. You know, whatever the thought is. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of different people who have a lot of different opinions. And, and, and I try not to be, you know, to be like flying in the face of science. Absolutely, this is a horrible illness. Absolutely, this is a, this is a problem for society. Absolutely, you know, that, that there is a possibility that you can get it. But there are things that you can do to avoid getting it. And, and I right. think that there are pretty easy things to do. And again, I'll, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. I think that this was really not so much of a failing of medicine, but a failing of public policy. And I think when we look back on this, and um, you know, we will we will get through this, and we will have an opportunity to look back at this. I think what we're going to find is that this is an absolutely cataclysmic event in the management with what's what we allowed to happen to, to the most vulnerable. And what we allow to happen to the economy, which will have ripples that last far, far longer than the illness itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, just take take the big box stores that have been deemed essential businesses by, you know, the Governor Pritzker's uh, of the of the country um, that have been allowed to remain open during the entire pandemic. You know, Walmart, the WalMarts of the world, never shut down. Right. I I haven't heard of correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't heard of huge outbreaks among Walmart employees and customers. No. There are safe ways to be able to go out and do it. We've proved that already. The small businesses are just as capable of the Walmarts of the world to be able to safely reopen, um, practice social distancing, um, have employees wear masks if necessary. Um, but we proved that we can do it. Open up the economy. Mm-hmm. More capable, maybe, because they have more control and, and certainly are, are, would have the ability and, and all the reason to protect their own business. Somebody who owns their own store versus somebody who's ringing up your, your canned beans and toilet paper and uh, whatever else you bought at Walmart, are they as vested as the person that actually owns the store right. who's ringing it, ringing it up on Main Street? No. They're not pretty, pretty much every business association that exists, including this week, the I can't remember the, the, the movie theater association, mm-hmm. um, but the retailers, uh, retail association, uh, business manufacturing or whatever, said that, that they are willing and able to practice um, uh, to uh, make their work environments safe, um, make their buildings safe for both workers and customers and are pleading with the governor to allow them to reopen. Governor's fallen on deaf ears with him. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you, um, I'd like to end on a, on a high note and say, hey, we got something going on with baseball. Not the case. Uh, <laughs> sounds like the players are going back to um, the owners with, an, with another idea that actually asked for a longer season. And um, not to say that it's about money. I, I understand their, their point of view. I mean, there's only so many – so much tread on the tire for a professional athlete. You know, you don't get better as you get older. Um, and unless you're just like Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, or Mark McGuire, or any of the other incredible phenomenon athletes that came out of the late nineties that somehow, some way just got better as they got older. Um, must've been something else going on there. Maybe we'll have to dig into that. Um, yeah. The um, but it sounds like hockey's coming back. And one of the more curious things that I saw in the story about the hockey coming back was that even with all of the issues that exist in Chicago, that the NHL is looking at Chicago as a hub city. How how can that be? That's not going to happen. I just don't see it. Not with not with Governor Pritzker and his restrictions. I don't see it either. I don't see it either. Well, Dan, anything else on your mind today? You mentioned NHL and NBA's and discussions with yeah. uh, Walt Disney Resorts about uh, re, uh, restarting their season um, down in Florida. So that's encouraging news, too. Mm-hmm. I am a little discouraged, as you mentioned, uh, by, by uh, Major League Baseball at this point. I sure, certainly hope the uh, the players' union and, and ownership can come to a deal. We need baseball. I mean, summer without baseballs. I know. I know. Well, here's hoping that they can get that worked out, that everybody can come away with something that's reasonable and that we can get back to some semblance of normal. Uh, Dan, I appreciate it. It's always great to talk with you. Enjoy it as usual. Thank you, Chris. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast crosstalk segment commentary powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what we're working on next week. Next week, we'll assess how businesses are doing as they partially reopen amid concerns of COVID-19 and unpack more of the pandemic special session and its impact on taxpayers. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.